You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Samantha. Kelly. <laughs> when did you start going by Sam? I never asked you that. Um, for honestly, for as long as I can remember. Oh, really? Yeah. I just put Samantha because people see Sam and they're like, what are you? Yeah. Well, that was the <laughs> so whole other Samantha. conversation. God. <laughs> does anyone call you Samantha? Does your mom? Um, no, no. My my sister does because she has a friend named Sam. And she's oh. like, I can't do the two Sam thing. I have to have a Samantha. And I'm like, so the one that you've known longer doesn't get what she wants. Okay. I feel like siblings always get cast aside in those situations. Yeah. yeah. So she's the only one. I love that. Um, well, thanks for being here with me. I'm really excited. It's only taken us, um, how long have we known each other? Like four years. It's only taken us four years to do this. And maybe longer. <laughs> Two years as partners in crime for Soulfire. Um, so you and I really just wanted to give people a little insight into the journey of creating Soulfire and what this experience has been like. Um, and just some thoughts that we have on the podcasting space in general and, and things that we've seen change and grow and evolve and shit that we're just like, don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> um, because you and I have seen a lot and you've seen you saw a lot before we ever um, started Soulfire uh, from a very different angle than me. So why don't we start there? Um, why don't you give everybody just kind of a look at what your podcast life looked like before starting Soulfire? Yeah. So I started in show notes. I was a copywriter for one podcast. I was just doing it as um, kind of to help out a friend and it just never stopped. And then it kept getting added to. And I had a lot of shows that I was doing show notes for. And I got to see this side of a business that I never thought I would be able to see. I never even thought like, oh, this is a career path. Like I never in my life thought those things. And so it was really cool being in it as well as an avid listener. And um, yeah, learning that side of the business. I didn't get to see a whole lot, but I did get to kind of view how the systems and the processes worked and what didn't necessarily work. And that's kind of how we met. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So Sam used to work on my show um, when it was the platform podcast. And you did a little bit with Ceremony Wellness, right? Yes. Or was that after? Okay. I did. I did mostly Ceremony Wellness. Yeah. Uh, Sam likes to remind me that she misses uh, Ceremony Wellness, Kelly. <laughs> that's She's not favorite. super fond of the Kelly show, Kelly. <laughs> Ceremony Wellness is like my favorite iteration of Kelly. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. Um. But yeah, so Sam used to work on my show and we just we just liked each other. We were like internet friends. Um and we just got along really well and then um when I decided to when I had this idea, I just had this idea for a company and I just thought there has to be a better way to do this than what I'm seeing across the board. Um and I knew that you would be such an important part of creating this and I remember exactly where I was in LA when I called you. And I was outside of a tender greens in West Hollywood and I like pulled my car over. I call Sam and I'm like, okay, here's my idea. And I just fucking vomited all over you this vision I had. And you were like, I'm in, let's do it. And 
I think it was really cool the way it all came together because you had had such different experiences than me. I had never written show notes. I've never edited a show very much like I've been the host. I've been on TV my whole life. I understand production, but from such a different angle. And so I thought it was so cool the way we had so many conversations leading up to actually creating the company about what is it that's missing in the industry? What do we feel like are the biggest uh, complaints that we have as hosts as well as people in production? And how do we make this more streamlined, more fun, more creative, and really hold the vision for people so that they can stay in their zone of genius and not try and host a show and then edit a podcast and then market it and then try to figure out what the hell you do with the analytics. Um, So I want to talk through some of the things that we felt like were really important at that time. Um, To me, it really felt like people needed connections and people needed support. Podcasting has for so long felt like there's a lot of secrets behind this veil or this curtain. And God forbid we share them with anyone (laughs) to help, right? And it's so funny because that is such, you know, we talk a lot about like abundance and lack and all of that here because we have a lot of spiritual shows, but it really came from a place of scarcity of why are we not sharing with people? Why are we not helping them, supporting them from day one on connecting them with other amazing podcast hosts or sharing what some of the top things are to do, like reviews matter and tell people to subscribe to your show. And video is a really integral part of growing a podcast. Those are just things that we both felt like weren't being shared. Um, And so I really wanted to create a company around transparency and community. And I know community was super important to you in so many areas of your life. So where were you coming from at that time where you thought, okay, these are the most important things that I want us to hit for Soulfire? Yeah. I mean, I will say, I remember I was at Whole Foods in Columbus, Ohio. When you called me, I was like, remember (laughs) this moment. It's a big moment. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the community side was so important to me because I saw I had touch points on so many different podcasts that would have been so great to know each other. And that just wasn't happening. And I know you had that similar experience. And it was just like, I I feel like it would have made one people feel closer. You grow your network, you grow your community base, you can just have people to talk to and talk with. And yeah, I mean, I just I saw that like not happening. And I was like, that doesn't really make much sense. And when you had said, you know, community is really, really important to you, I was like, this is going to be big because with all those secrets and well, it feels like it's a big secret, like you were saying, but I honestly feel like people just want to share information, but because it has this idea that's a big secret. And if you tell somebody else, then your show is not going to, you know, succeed or not get this huge guest or whatever. Um, we can all keep it to ourselves. But when we're more connected, we're just like, oh, yeah, I've got this guest coming on. Like, you have a podcast that you talk about this. Cool. Or you want to start a podcast? Let me help introduce you to this person. It just opens up so many more doors and creates so much more space for more podcasters to come in. And so I just saw kind of I was in a place where I couldn't really like make those things happen. And so when you just kind of opened that door and presented the opportunity to do so, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be so good. Yeah. You know, I, I want to talk about the community aspect, but I think that something really important to talk about here is I think you and I have done a really amazing job of letting the other person do what they're really good at. And in the beginning, 
you and I, as well as Connor, because he he did co-found this um, with me, we were kind of all three of us trying to do everything. And we're all very strong-willed people and we're smart and we're go-getters. And so I think that there was a lot more like stepping on each other's toes, not in, in a negative way. We weren't like fighting or anything, but it was very much of like, well, what's my role and who's doing what? And we were very much in the like startup phase of like, what the fuck is this? But I think, you know, six months in, we started to find our stride and we started to make money, which is really nice and have clients. And I think that you and I specifically, because this is really run by you and me, is we have done such an amazing job of supporting each other in doing what we're best at and really trusting the other person to make decisions and delegating to one another. Um, and I, I had told this story, I think on a podcast a week or so ago, you had brought something to me and I completely disagreed. I said, no, I was like, I don't want to do that. And you said, well, I disagree. This is what we should do. And at that moment, it was so cool because I was like, I trust Sam so much. If this is how she feels and she feels that strongly about it, then I'm, I want her to make this decision. And I, I just want to speak to what it is like when you're creating a company, creating community, and also a company and community that is full of women in which many of us have experienced bullying and really shitty relationships and feeling like there's not enough room for all of us. I think we've done a really nice job of creating the space for not only you and I, but everyone else to really flourish and have their space and do what they're best at and be curious about it. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts about this whole experience. Yeah. I feel like it's so funny that you say that uh, because it took me a long time to be able to feel like I can disagree with not just you, but with anybody. And coming into, you know, creating Soulfire, this startup company, um, I really didn't know what to expect. I was, this is completely new, right? I've always kind of had stable sounding jobs. And this was like, let's create a company and see how it goes. And I was <laughs> super scared, right? And I think me being able to step into this role of having an opinion and expressing the opinions, um, it's really just like this position and and being here has really just helped me grow as a human. And I remember before this, like, well, I think this and you think that and like, that's okay. Um, we had a moment like it had to be like at least a year ago where you had said, I asked you a question and it comes from like my show notes brain where I'm like, get into, you know, this person's thoughts, think how they'll think, speak how they'll speak. And so I was like, okay, let's embody Kelly Tennant or <laughs> Kelly Moore <laughs> and see like how she would respond to this. And I was like, I'm just going to ask her because that's easier in the beginning to kind of start learning the person when, when you're building a company with them. You're, I wanted to ask you and you had stopped and you were like, I want to empower you to make choices that you think you should make, not that you think I would make. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, this is so cool because it really does feel like we're not just saying we're a company based on community and transparency. We're actually living and breathing it into every portion, every part of the company, employees, mm. freelancers, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's um, I mean, you and I have this has been a crash course in leadership 
um, big time for both of us. We have nine people on our team now. Not everyone is full time. Um, we have nine people, nine, nine people's emotions and life experiences and hard times and put, you know, COVID and a pandemic in, inside of that and some health issues and different things. And there's, there's a lot going on and we're not just a company. This really is a family. We really care about one another. And that is very felt. And I think that is felt with our clients as well. And it's, it's been a beautiful learning experience, I think, across the board to, to be a part of and then to also witness. Um, and that really brings me into the, this idea of community within the network itself and with our clients, because I think we set that foundation with the team. And so it naturally sort of trickled into our clients and how we communicate with them and hold space for them in all of their business ventures and podcasts and everything. But I think one of the coolest things about the mastermind is that none of us pretend to have all the answers. You know, Connor's been doing this. Christina Rice has been doing this for six-ish years. They, they're our longest standing podcasters. We have people who are novices and have no idea what's going on. And they're just like, all right, like, let me try this thing. And we don't pretend to know everything. And that creates the space for really dope conversations where someone steps in, you have a Judy Holler who walks in, who is just like the light of my life and just gets everyone amped up. And she shares how she's getting reviews and how she's connecting with her audience and where she's running ads differently and how she gets this huge studio sponsorship. And I think it's so amazing to watch people leave their egos at the door and really show up with so much curiosity and support for one another saying, damn, this is really cool. I really want to help these people. And I know that they can help me. And there's such a an acceptance of receiving while also really wanting to give as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I love our masterminds too. I think when when someone's interested in joining Soulfire, um, I get to hop on a call with them. And that's my favorite part to explain is like you get to be in this room each month, just like shooting the shit with other podcasters. And you learn from people who, like you said, have been doing this for six years or have been doing this for a week and they're able to share like real life, real, real time experiences of what it's like to be in podcasting and how much it's changing. You know, that's what Connor talks about all the time, like staying on the pulse of things and learning as we go. And that's kind of <laughs> kind of what we've been doing anyways. So being able to be in a room with people and have them share, you know, what they're learning, how they're doing things, trying things new. I can't tell you, I mean, how many times we've had people in the mastermind one person say something and you can just see eyeballs like, oh my God, how have I not tried that? And even that happens to us because we don't know everything. We're learning too, right alongside everyone else. Yeah. yeah, there's those aha moments when you see the light in someone's eyes. You're like, oh, that feels so good. Um, we've talked a lot about community and that's probably one of the biggest reasons people come to us is because they don't know where to find the answers. Uh, podcasting as a space can feel very isolating and lonely sometimes. Um, and, you know, I've talked on camera m most of my life, so it's very normal for me. I can just like look at nothing and I'm totally fine. For other people, there's a mic and there's headphones and there's a camera, the Sam's <laughs> of the world. And it's like there's this discomfort and it's really weird and you don't know who to ask and you also don't want to feel stupid. I think that's one of the biggest things is People don't want to feel stupid. It feels like everyone and their grandma has a podcast. So if they can all figure it out, how come I can't? And I think that's that's one of the myths that I want to bust in this is show is 
it's okay to not know and it's okay to ask for help and ask questions. And that's why community is so important to be able to figure out what audio equipment is best and what platforms to use when you're recording and how to get reviews and how to do all these things. So you are really on the ground floor when someone comes in for their introduction with us. And then I step in during the onboarding process and we, we go along on our merry way, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But what do you think is, is one of the biggest things when people are coming in and they have all these questions and they feel really lost and confused that being a part of a community is really helpful for? Hmm. Well, what I will say is I think you just see like the relief when they're joining something and we're, we're so honest and like approachable. I feel that they just kind of get this sense of like, Oh, it's okay to not know. And I can just ask a question and no one's going to judge me. No one's going to look at me differently. No one's going to, you know, talk about me. And I think they just get that sense when they're speaking with us. I mean, when it comes down to it, like we all, you know, we all believe in the whole energy is everything. And you and I have had lots of moments where we're like, what does this mean? Do you know what this means? Yeah. Do you know what they're talking about? And I'm like, I have no idea. And you're like, cool, me neither. Let's just Google it. Like, I feel like that kind <laughs> of sinks down and everyone's like, oh, yeah, we can just ask because there's no judgment. There's it's just a question and I'm just getting an answer. And if they, and if we don't know, we're honest, too. And we're like, I'm not sure, but I have a feeling I might be able to find that answer for you. Yeah. You know, that makes me think. So you and I went to Nashville to the podcast movement event. This huge, it's like the biggest event in podcasting. It feels like everyone is there and all the like tons of sponsors are there, people from different platforms, um, all these huge executives. And it's really a place to share new things that are happening, new concepts in the space, as well as just have, you know, these kinds of conversations. Um, and we learned a lot during that time. And one of the things uh, that I really wanted you to share, because um, you've shared this a ton with our clients, is the actual numbers when it comes to podcasting. So do you want to walk everyone through what we found out about how many podcasts there are and rankings and what yeah. that looks like? So I definitely don't have the numbers directly in front of me right now, but I can tell you, you always hear there's so many podcasts. You're never going to be listened to. There's too many out there. And honestly, I think we kind of thought that too, right? Because that's what you just keep hearing in the space. Yeah. And it's kind of scary, especially for new podcasters or people who feel like they're not growing much. Um, but yeah, I got to sit in um, a room with um, Lipson and they were talking mm. about how there's actually sure there's like a hell of a ton of podcasts out there. But only 323,000 of them are actually active podcasts. And the number of podcasts are going down while the number of listeners are going up. So therefore, <laughs> everyone should have a podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but it's a space that isn't what we've been told it is. And it was really yeah. cool to hear that that actual like factual number statement there saying no what you've been told is wrong there is space for you to have your show and there's plenty of potential for your show to grow and be in front of people yeah 
And we also learned that almost all of our shows are in the top 20 percentile, 30 percentile of active podcasts in Apple. Yeah, there's 2.3 million plus shows in the Apple podcast app. But like Sam said, only 320 something thousand of them are actually active, which means they currently have shows coming out in the last you know, six to 10 months or whatever. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because I think that's a huge pain point, pain point for people. Wow, I can't talk. Pain point for people when they come to us because they think, oh no, how am I going to stand out? Oh no, how am I going to grow? There's so many other shows out there. Yes, there are a lot of shows out there. But if you look at this compared to what blogging is now, not what blogging was, but what it is now, um, and you look at this compared to YouTube and all of these different mediums that are out there, podcasting is actually very small and very open for many people to come in. That being said, that doesn't mean that everyone should have a podcast. And that doesn't mean that you should just throw shit at the wall and be like, well, I hope that works. Having a really clear strategy and vision for your show of who are you talking to? Why are you starting a show? Did your community ask for this? What is it going to look like? How does it feed into your business? Is it a side hustle? Is it a hobby? Is it actually a part of what you're creating? Asking yourself all those questions really allows for you to stand out as a podcaster and grow. The other thing I want to add into that is <laughs> we do these weekly emails now. We'll, we'll leave a link in the show notes so you can join the weekly emails because I personally, not that I'm biased or anything, but I think they're amazing. <laughs> but I just did a, a weekly email and I was talking about how everyone wants to hit 10,000 downloads an episode. Where the fuck that number came from, I do not know. Just like everything else that's made up in podcasting, because it's a like Wild West. Um, I don't know where that came from. But something I really wanted you and I to talk about is why that number is completely arbitrary and means nothing. The first thing that comes to mind is that if you have a podcast and you're cultivating community in order to get clients and make more money, you don't need 10,000 downloads. You could have 100 listeners and have a six-figure launch on a course. That is totally possible. How is that possible? If you're very clear on who you're talking to, what your offering is, and what your community looks like. But what I see is that people end up focusing so much on, I need X number of downloads, that they forget to serve who their audience is. They forget to actually show up and be genuine and say, this is what I offer. This is what I'm about. And I'm going to pour everything I have into cultivating this community because of this arbitrary number. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, we share very similar thoughts on this, <laughs> but I think we still are all in this place of needing to be like everyone else. Mm. And mm. it shows that through podcasting, you know, needing to hit this specific number through Instagram, needing to have this many, you know, followers. Um, YouTube, this many subscribers. Like, I don't know who created these quote unquote like rules, but it's a load of BS <laughs> because, well, like you said, we have, we've seen like actually gone in and seen stats, downloads, analytics of many different types of podcasters who all have varying levels of all of that that I just said. And they're all successful. And to me, it comes down to 
what you deem as successful for yourself, not as what's successful for the other person in the room, because you're two talking to different people. You two are talking to different people um, or you maybe you're talking to the same person, but you're doing it through a different lens. And I think it does come really it comes down to really like sinking into why you're here. That was something like I used to take this yoga class and like right in the middle of it when you're like it was like a like fitness yoga class. It was not like a relaxing yoga class. But <laughs> in the middle of it when you're like ready to tap out, the instructor would just shout, "Why are you here?" And it really like snaps you into place and I think that's super important for podcasters too. Like why are you here? What are you talking about? How are you helping people? Who are you supporting? Why are you doing this? And none of that, none of that comes down to like, because I need 10,000 downloads, because I need to hit a million subscribers. Like, that doesn't, that's not what that means. And if that's what that means to you, I would highly suggest really taking a harder look at why you are doing what you're doing. Yeah. And to remember that that energy is mm -hmm. felt. We have watched people with podcasts that started out very small, very much in integrity, who then gain a huge following and kind of blow up and everything sort of falls out of integrity. And it's no longer about the community. It's about the money that you can make from ads. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to, you know, integrity is a huge thing for me and for our company. And if you are someone who wants to be in integrity with your show, always coming back to what you just said your why and being of service to your community and cultivating those relationships, you'll make so much money, but you don't have to have that be the thing that matters the most. And I think that sometimes we have the carrot dangling in front of us and we get a little sidetracked and we forget about why we showed up to do this in the first place. And many of us, it was because we needed this ourselves. We needed a safe space. We needed to educate. We needed to show up for people. We needed them to do that for us. And if we can always keep that in mind, I really believe that shows can grow exponentially, very organically, and from a really good place. Okay, Sam, I want to just take a little pause here because, you know, I do a segment on my show called Brands I Like to Fuck With. So I want to talk about those brands. <laughs> um, I want to talk about those brands with you because these are also brands that Sam likes to <laughs> fuck with. She just would never say it that way. So, Sam, I want to talk about Organifi's chocolate gold that is seasonal. And they're really rude because they take it away from us. And we both literally text each other having hissy fits complaining about this. So my audience has heard a lot about my obsession with chocolate gold. So I would like to give them a break and give <laughs> oh them your God. obsession. It's insane. I don't know. Okay. Honestly, this is like. Everyone has like the product they're always using, like it's a face cream or whatever. Uh, Organifi Chocolate Gold is the product that I love so much with all of my heart. I'm obsessed with it. Um, it's like the best hot chocolate you'll ever have in your whole life. And it's so calming. And like, it's a whole vibe. Like, I know. Is it a morning vibe for a you or vibe. a night vibe for you? It's definitely a night vibe for okay. me. I like get my PJs on, I warm up my almond milk or my oat milk, and then I put in a scoop of that, and then sometimes I top it off with some whipped cream. Oh, yeah. It's a oh, whole... Shit. It's a vibe. And then okay. I like 
I'll sit down. And right now I'm watching Hallmark Christmas movies. So it's even better. (laughs) Because she already decorated her house in Christmas. This girl is insane and I love it. It's I played my first Christmas music today and I thought of you. (laughs) We're recording this on November 12th. And I will also just (laughs) say to that, uh, I decorated on the 1st of November. So this is where we are. But yeah, I'm I was so sad when they made it a seasonal beverage, but it just made me appreciate it and love it that much more. Mm-hmm. That's their goal. They got me. They're just fucking with us. It's so rude. <laughs> just kidding. We love you, Organifi. Okay, so if you guys have not tried it out, maybe I haven't been the one to convince you, but Samantha over here, finally, she got you. You got got by Sam. You can go to Organifi.com and use the code Kelly T. You'll get 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Kelly T and you'll get 20% off. Okay. So the other thing that Sam and I really love is element. I would like to just say that I feel like I'm an element bad bitch. Um, where do you rank on levels of love or bad bitchness? Wait, with can element, that be Sam? a t-shirt? I'm an element bad yeah, bitch. Probably, <laughs> we should just make that. Yes. yes I'm telling Jalen about that. Ooh, so. <laughs> I was super skeptic about Element because I was like, who wants to drink salty water? I don't understand this concept whatsoever. And I've had other beverages similar to it. And I just was like, I don't know. And so we got some for the team and I got to try it. And I was like, well, shoot, take my money. I'm obsessed. (laughs) Please. (laughs) We got the sample packs and I was like, which is great because then you can figure out what's your favorite. And citrus and watermelon, definitely my faves. Um, I don't like it super salty, so I just add more water. Um, but that's that's how I do. I know other people do differently. Josh tried it. I don't know if you heard about this experience. Oh, <laughs> he no. put it in Tell like eight everything. ounces of water and was like, this is amazing. And I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> He's extra so. dehydrated. But yeah, we no, the whole literally the entire team is obsessed. Obsessed. Oh my gosh. I just sent Josh an entire box as a surprise um, of all the elements. So he's going to enjoy it. Um, Yeah. So you love citrus and and what else? Mm -hmm. And watermelon. Yeah. I've been telling everyone that I do half a packet of watermelon and half of the lemon habanero. So it's like spicy watermelon. A spicy anything. I'm like, yeah, I'm way too white. white. Oh, so it's real yeah. white. Sam's yeah. real white. I'm from okay. Ohio. She does not have any of my Mexican. From Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love you so much. Okay. So if you guys want to be an element bad bitch, I'm totally going to make shirts for this. And this is going to be great. Uh, inspired by Sam, you can go to drinkelement.com slash Kelly T and you'll get an eight pack sampler that Sam was just talking about for the price of shipping, which is five bucks if you live in the U.S., um, go to drinklmnt.com slash Kelly T and get your sampler pack. So I want to talk about growth a little bit because there's a lot of weird things that go on in podcasting. <laughs> um, and my favorite is when someone comes to us and thinks that there's this magic pill that's going to get them to 10,000 downloads. And I unfortunately, and you unfortunately, uh, more than I do probably have to tell them, no, that is not how this works. (laughs) Um, And we don't make these things up. I would like to preface this. Sam and I didn't pull this out of our ass. Uh, We actually talked to 
very high up people at places like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Libsyn, uh, Red Circle, like all of these different platforms and big players in the game. And they all reiterate the same exact things. So I'm going to share a few things that come to mind for me and I would love to share from your angle. But the first thing to me um, when you're growing a podcast is to engage with your audience. Oftentimes, podcast hosts talk at people or talk down to people. And that is not an inviting, welcoming experience for listeners. The more you can create intimacy within your conversations that invite people into the conversation, the more your show is going to grow because people are going to feel so good listening. They're going to want to tell their friends about it and they're going to want to share on social media. If they feel like they're invited to a seat at the table, you are going to have a listener for life. And some of the best compliments that I see myself and that I see many of our hosts get is, I love this podcast because I feel like I'm sitting on the couch with the host and their friends, like I'm a part of the conversation. And that is one of the coolest things that you could possibly hear from a listener. And it is one of the best ways to grow your podcast. Invite people into the conversation. Talk with them, not at them. I think the other thing is really get clear on who it is that you're talking to. Um, something that you and I do a lot because we do a lot of, you know, holding people's visions and creating strategy for them and identifying where there are holes in their business or their thoughts is they think they're talking to someone, but they're not. They're talking to a totally different person. And that can happen when you're deep in your own business and you're like, no, but I swear this is what's happening. And you take a step back, which is what you and I get to do from a bird's eye view looking at someone in their business. We get to say, actually, no, all of your content and everything you're sharing is actually directed here. And so you're missing all these people you think that talking to. It's really important to look at who is your current audience, who's actually showing up and listening, and who do you want to talk to, and why are they not showing up? Why are you missing them? And a great way to do that is to ask them, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Where did you come from? Right. And even, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I ask, I take a poll and then I don't get, you know, a thousand responses. You don't need a thousand responses. Take as many as you can get, whether it's in emails, on your Instagram, whatever that looks like, and poll them. Find out who they are so that you can get more clear on what that audience looks like so that you can call yourself out on where you're missing the mark. And the last thing I want to share is getting ratings and reviews. This is something I didn't know about when I started it, and it's very frustrating. And things have changed um, recently with Apple and how they rank and all of that. But really, one of the big focuses that we have for our clients is getting ratings and reviews to make your show look legit. Because I don't know about you, and I don't know about all the people listening to this, but when I'm going through, and maybe I'm looking for a new podcast, if I come across one and it has 13 reviews and it's been around for five years, Okay. That probably means it's not good. People are not engaging. People are not wanting to share about why this is good. Um, we like to set a standard of about 300 reviews. That makes you look legit. It's something that a lot of our sponsors have told us they look for. Once you get up to that number, it's like they're active, they're legit, people like it, they're showing up, they want to talk about it. 
They're willing to take the time to share their experience. That is so important. And it's not to just get praise and for people to tell you how amazing you are. But because podcasting is still new and we have very limited, uh, I guess, user experiences limited on the apps, that's one of the only ways to know how a podcast is. Did people say they liked it or not? Um, So I think those are a few of the things that really help with growth and recognition and for people to share the podcast. Okay, I also want to talk about wedding recovery. (laughs) This is going to be the theme for the next three months on The Kelly Show. Uh, No, but really. So along with not eating enough, I also get lower back pain and neck pain and headaches when I'm stressed. And I wasn't like crazy stressed but I was having, I was having some moments. I had some cold feet. I got a little nervous. I felt kind of trapped. And I was like, oh, my body is feeling this physically manifesting all this stress and anxiety. And so I have been, man, I have been on the CBD train. It has been very real and we have been moving at a very expedited pace. Um, and I'm so glad that I partnered with Cured Nutrition before the wedding so that I had CBD to support me. I do the droppers, I take the supplements, I do all the things, but the thing that I've been actually blown away by the most from Cured is their solve. Solve South. We've talked about this. I still don't know. And no one has DM'd me the proper pronunciation. So you guys are fucking failing me. Step it up. (laughs) I refuse to Google. I'm leaning on my community. Um, But I absolutely love the Solve Salve um, because I am not kidding you. I have used so many different CBD rubs and they they just don't work. They're just trash. And Cured Nutrition has done such an amazing job with this Salve. It comes like in a deodorant stick. So it's not all over your hands. Thank you very much. And you can reach back, put it on your back. I put it on my shoulders. I put it on my neck all the way up to my hairline. And it immediately starts like this tingling. And then there's just this release. Like when you drop your shoulders and you breathe for the first time during the day and you don't even realize you had been holding your breath. So amazing. The pain releases, everything calms down and I'm able to move again. And it feels really good. So I'm so grateful to have Cured in my life. Um, You can go to curednutrition.com. Use the code Kelly T. You'll get 10% off plus free shipping as a bonus because they are amazing. Uh, I highly recommend their entire line. We are using everything um, as we recover and it is so helpful. So enjoy. I definitely piggyback off of everything that you said, especially knowing who you're talking to. And the only way to do that is literally by asking them. ask them in every way possible. We all have social media. It gives us a ton of opportunities to find out things. Um, People love answering questions about themselves. So I say go crazy. Um, But I will say something that I notice more often than not, I'd say, and not just in our, you know, company, but in other companies and other podcasts, um, people actually, I really noticed this when we went to Nashville. People put everything into their podcast that it is the only thing that's what's going to set their business off and i think we've learned that when you're able to have your podcast yes be so important to you and to your listeners but also be an integral part of your business that's when it kind of all seems to come together know who you are know who you're talking to or talking with and make it so that it's an extension of your business, the podcast, 
rather than having it be the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because any of our clients who put a ton of pressure on the show do not see success and growth in the way they want to because they put all their eggs in that basket and they say, I need the podcast to be my thing. And our response is always, this is a long game. You are not going to hit top charts overnight after day one. That is not how this medium works at all. And a lot of people feel defeated and there is no reason to feel defeated. You don't have to feel bad about it, right? This isn't like I'm going to put a reel out and it's going to go viral and everything's going to take off. Maybe a couple podcasts have done that, um, but the majority is a long game and you get to work at this and you get to fuck up and you get to ask questions and you get to evolve. That's really what this space is about. And I think keeping that in mind is really important. I also want to add, it's so funny because so many of our clients come because of our video content that we create. Shouts to Josh and Melanie. Uh, They do an incredible job for all of our clients. Um, But I would love for you to share because we actually have tangible numbers for podcasts on how they've grown. But what what has happened for shows when they've come to us and they've gone from no video content to audiograms, reels, IGTV, and then we look at their numbers three months later? I mean, the numbers don't lie and the shows are growing. Um, But I think it's it's because the video content podcasting is so great because you can just like throw an earbud in or listen to it in the car and learn something, go on a walk. That's how I listen to my podcasts. Um, Learn something that's going to bring something into your life in a positive way. Well, that's all great. But like, if I can't see you, I don't know if I can ever fully like immerse myself into the experience of you. And then if I'm not doing that, then am I buying anything from you? Am I joining any of your programs? Probably not. And so having that video content really helps people gain that trust factor. Like they want to be able to see you and experience your facial emotions, like everything come through and how you're talking. And um, I think, you know, a lot of people trust people's eyes. And so having that video content, especially for people who are, are teachers and coaches, it's so important. And I mean, we really have seen numbers go, downloads go up by, by hundreds, a couple of them by thousands um, over just a few months. And that's really exciting to see. And the podcaster always gets really excited too, which then makes them want to create more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think Connor explains it really well with everyone on the masterminds to just remember like you have in your audience people who are going to listen to a podcast, but you also have people who aren't going to listen to a podcast and that's okay. But how are you taking something from the podcast that you've spent time and money on into their world? And video is a great way to do that. Take something, take a teachable moment from a podcast episode between you and a guest or you on a solo and share that on Reels or on TikTok or IGTV or YouTube. And you know, with with Josh and Melanie, we've been able to really help people create content that's exciting. And it might even turn a person who is like, I'm not in a podcast into someone who listens to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of repurposing content and that's something Connor did so well from day one and helping us understand is how can we take a one hour recording of a podcast and turn that into five or seven pieces of content? So 
you have an actual podcast, the audio, and you have a blog, and you have an email, and you have an IGTV, and you have a couple reels. I mean, shit. And then you have artwork, static artwork from, you know, that we create for all of our shows. Um, and then you have a feed post. There's so many things that can come from that one thing. So if you have a thousand downloads an episode on the podcast, but you're getting 70,000 views on a reel and then 3,000 views on an IGTV, that all culminates into your audience. We don't have to be just live or die by what our podcast downloads are because it's like you said, that podcaster may not see my IGTV. They might not even follow me and vice versa. My reels person may never listen to an hour long show. But what's going to happen is you're going to be in their face in many different ways and give them many options. And so if they decide that they are going to work with you, it's likely because they've experienced you in many different ways. And that is really important yeah. to think about. And how shareable the different assets are, because a podcast is one thing. It, OK, we're we're in. It's almost 2022, taking a screenshot of a podcast and then taking the time to post it on Instagram and tag someone seems like a lot, right? So having shareable artwork where there's this amazing quote or a really cool, like, I love Josh's trailers that he creates for IG um, reels and like seeing bits and pieces of a conversation like it's a movie trailer and I'm le left being like, I need to watch this movie or I need to listen to this podcast. Um, and then just clicking your little arrow and sharing that to everybody else that maybe had no idea who you were, Kelly. And now they do. And they're like, oh, my God, I have to listen to this person more. I need to be in you know, their atmosphere and in their world and taking in what they're sharing. That's a huge part of having quality content being made in those you know, five to seven different ways that you talked about. Yes, 100%. So I want to shift gears here a little bit and, and go into sponsorships. I think this is another space where people get really confused and overwhelmed and they feel like they're not doing well enough. And when we first started, we really pushed sponsorships really hard. And that's great. Sponsorships are definitely for certain types of podcasts and certain types of people. And there are different ways you can go about sponsorships. But I really want to talk about kind of two avenues you can go down. Well, three kind of. There's you can go down the sponsorship route and run ads on your show. You can go down the I'm going to sell my own shit route and run ads for your own stuff. Or you can go down door number three, which is a culmination of both. Great. Okay. So let's break down kind of the, the best and worst of both. Um, so that people understand what their options are. It is amazing to have podcast sponsorships. The thing that I want people to understand is if you have a small to medium-sized podcast, so you're getting less than 10,000 downloads an episode. Working with smaller brands is your best option. They have money but they really want brand recognition and they really want genuine connection with audiences. And so if you have a smaller podcast and you have that intimate experience created, 
and you have that relationship with the brand and you actually use the fucking product, please don't sell things you don't use or like because people will sniff that out and never buy it. And that is out of integrity. Um, If you have that relationship, then you can create a lot of income from that. So you can you can be paid in a way that supports you. And you're running ads for another company. And that's amazing. The downside of that is that if you're not selling your own stuff, you're not making as much money, right? So I can make $1,000 from a brand, but I can make $5,000 on a one-on-one coaching client. Okay, so there's a difference here. So then you go down the route of I'm going to sell my own stuff. So really, this is a funnel for you to talk about your own programs, your own offerings. And usually you're at a higher ticket price. Um, Maybe you have some like random evergreen content that's $29, but really you're funneling people into that 5,000, 10,000 mastermind, whatever that looks like. So you're making more money and you're taking up the real estate within your own podcast on that. Those people though, often feel like I'm not doing enough. I need five sponsors to be a successful podcaster. So Sam, what is your response to these different scenarios for people? So I think you said it right there at the end where I need to have brands sponsor me to be a successful podcaster. And that's this thing that's in everyone's head as a podcaster. And it's honestly one of the first questions that we get. How can I get my podcast sponsored? And what I say is, especially for new podcasters, like you, yes, we'll talk about that. We'll absolutely talk about that. We'll share. We'll help you, whatever you need. But taking the time at the start of your podcast to really hone in on who you're talking to and how you're serving them is going to be so much more important than whatever CPM you're going to make on one ad for 60 seconds. And in in response to those different avenues that you're saying, I think that I personally would rather sell my own programs whether it's a 29 evergreen content course or a $7,000 coaching package over six months, whatever that is, um, because that's also allowing me to gain experience in my business to then create more content to help the people that I'm serving. And yeah, it's so cool to like, I remember when I started my first podcast, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get a sponsor. (laughs) Like, this is what it's about. And it is, it's exciting and it's fun. But at the same time, is it what's more valuable to you at the end of the day, I think is the real question. And we, we do, we do like, we definitely love, we have really great partnerships with several brands that we absolutely adore. And, um, I also think we, I think we kind of go in the middle with it where we're like, oh, this is really cool. We should definitely connect these people. They're made for each other. They love each other. Why are they not talking yet? But also take this space to share the new course you're creating or to talk, um, talk up your holiday sales on, in your own business. You know, there's, there's that balance. I think that's really important to have. Yeah. And to remember that brands want numbers. So you can't yeah. sell to nobody. Right. And your mom can only buy so many of the things that you share. Um, so really focusing on cultivating that community like you're talking about so that when the time comes that you get your first sponsor, 
your people trust you so much and know you are so in integrity that they will literally buy anything you talk about. They're like, oh, well, of course, because Kelly is so present with us and she cares about integrity and, you know, X, Y, Z. These are her core values. And I feel that in the show, when she talks about Organifi or Element or any of these products, I know that she loves it. And I know that she is looking out for me and wants to share awesome shit with me. And so I'm totally going to buy this. And I'm also going to support her in the podcast in doing so. And I think you're so right. It's really coming back to our why again on this so that we're not just focused on the dollars because we have seen hosts that just give me the money, give me the money. They get the money and then they don't sell anything because that's all they cared about. That is not going to create lasting partnerships or good relationships with any of these brands. Um, So I think you made some really good points. And the other thing I want to say is if you are a new podcaster, focus on some affiliate stuff. You can run ads for affiliate programs within your show. So I know um, there's a lot of people who I'll just use Organifi because they're a longtime partner of us that we love, but they have an affiliate program. And so sometimes Organifi isn't necessarily going to sponsor a podcast that's a lot smaller. They'll wait until it's bigger, but a great way for them to trial and see how your community responds to you selling Organifi is through the affiliate program. So if you're already sharing that in your email list and on social media, and then you add in Um, sponsor ads in your show, that's a great way to see how your audience responds. And so you're making money, you're running ads, your show probably feels more legitimate to you. You're just not getting that monthly payment yet. But if you can prove to Organifi, like, hey, look at how my audience responds. If you have the analytics, they're totally going to show up for you. And I think that's a a really great way to go about this with a lot of And honestly, sometimes affiliate partnerships pay out more than a sponsorship can. So, and, and again, it's so important to partner with people, brands, companies that you use their stuff. You love their stuff. You've talked about it before. Don't come out of the blue and just expect, you know, all of this stuff to, to work out because it does take time to, you know, brands also want that trust factor, just like your audience does. So good. So as we wrap this up, um, I just want to share with everyone what the Soulfire process looks like uh, from the moment they come to the website and click on apply now to what it looks like through launch. So Sam is our Sam is our COO, but Sam really created this structure um, and has her hand in all of it and has really overseeing this entire process. So I would love for you to tell everyone what that looks and feels like yeah. once they come to us. Um, once you fill out the apply now on our website, I get an email and I am connected with you. And so I read through everything. I respond back and schedule a call to really get to know you and your business, um, your passion, your goals. That's really important. Um, And then we see if the relationship makes sense on both sides. Um, We want to make sure that we're supporting you the best way we can. And sometimes that looks like not being partnered. And so having those conversations um, and most of the time it works out and we're able to move on towards an onboarding call, which Kelly hops in on and works her magic on helping um, the host really get like, I mean, the questions that Kelly asks, (laughs) they're so (laughs) deep and they really make people think like, okay, why am I doing this? What's important to me? Where do I see this going? Who am I trying to connect with? And 
we have a we have that kind of starting onboarding call. We go through everything, and then from there on out, um, we're either redesigning your podcast um, from literally the the boards and nails to uh, maybe helping you create your show for the very first time. And uh, we we work with a great graphic designer. And our team is on top of your show. I mean, you have direct access to your production team, which is really cool. Um, we have different platforms that we're able to have hosts actually connect to the people that are working on their shows, which is so important and something that I feel like is a touch point a lot of um, companies miss out on. And so our hosts know who's doing their show. Um, they can ask them questions directly. Our production team can learn our hosts and. We all sit in on the mastermind together so people know who we are. We're in the same rooms and same spaces. Um, and yeah, our onboarding process takes about about six weeks. Um, we want to make sure we get everything just right and that we're holding the vision that you have while also helping you grow and helping you um, get in front of the audience that maybe you didn't think you were talking to, but you are. Um, and yeah. I mean, after after those six weeks, the six weeks, I would say, is pretty intense. <laughs> um, but after that, yeah, it's I mean, I've heard directly from our hosts how much of a, a relief it is to have us as a team um, to be able to handle, you know, all like the nitty gritty things. One of the, the questions that we ask when hosts are submitting episodes is, do you have any um, edits, requests, anything we need to know about this episode? And at the beginning, they're like filled out like so much stuff and they're like don't miss this i said this one thing and we're like okay okay and by like episode four or five the host like yeah you know you know what i don't like you you're fine just <laughs> kaylee you got it and and then like then it's almost like they finally are having fun again because they're able to take mm -hmm. um that time that they were spending either editing themselves or finding somebody to edit for them figuring out how to upload to a platform understanding like why a microphone isn't working like we're here for all of that stuff and so they're able they have that space then to be creative again and work on finding different people to have on their show or topics that they're going to talk about themselves because they have that extra space to do so since we're helping out with the rest yeah i love that and the, the only thing i really want to add to that is and this is why Sam and I work really well together. Um, and the onboarding call is, I would say, 99% of the time fucking magical because you and I are not in these people's businesses. And many of our clients have teams. They have their own teams that are doing marketing and creating and handling branding and website and all this stuff. But they're all very in it. And so when you and I come in, we're really able to look at it from a distance and say, hey, this makes no sense. This is the question that needs to be asked. And when we do that, they're finally able to see things really clearly. And all of those missing pieces, I feel like that they couldn't quite put their finger on, they're finally able to do. And it's not, we are not, you know, we're not perfect and like the greatest ever. But I think what we do really well is we reflect back to people. We listen really well and we hand it back to them in a way that feels very digestible and approachable where they can say, oh, my God, that's it. Right. That's the conversation you want to have, because that creates the vision and the strategy for your podcast that then 
that pours into your own business and who you are as a person. And then you're able to really structure things in a way that makes sense, not in a convoluted kind of forcing way, which is what we often see. Oh, I have to do it like this because I need to be like so-and-so or because it needs to be this way because I heard this one time on a podcast and someone said, right? And But it doesn't apply to them. And so they're not being genuinely who they are. So I think that's a really important part of the process. And working with us is that we are here to be a mirror and to listen and to reflect back and to help you see yourself more clearly. Because when you see yourself more clearly and you finally answer questions with radical honesty, that is when everything gets to expand. Um, And that's honestly my favorite part of the process. Like I love doing artwork and Josh curating music and hearing their trailer and, you know, all these things coming together. But truly, that call is so magical and so expansive, I think, for all of us. And we learn so much. And it really sets the stage and the foundation for what the podcast can yeah, be capable I love our of. onboarding calls. And that's another thing, too, that anytime someone's interested in joining, I'm like, OK, I have to prepare you. The 60 minutes is going to change your freaking life. <laughs> and it does. And, it, and I think, too, what's really cool is like. We go into it. Listening. And actually hearing Mm -hmm. what people are saying. And sometimes that's the first time they've been listened to in a long time, especially when you have a big team that can things can get lost or be taken, you know, out of point. But when when it's just me, you and them, (laughs) we're like, okay, Tell me what's up. Tell me what's going on. Answer this question, this simple question. They're like, holy shit. This changes everything. You're like, yep. We also have strategy around that, which is great, too. So. We get to support everyone from every angle. It's so cool. So good. So thank you all for listening. Sam, thank you for being here with me. This was so fun. If you have any questions or curious about working with us, you can go to soulfireproductionsco.com. That link will be in the show notes. Um, And we look forward to meeting you and supporting you and however that looks. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>